May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. St. Paul is in prison when he writes the last of his letters. We have in the New Testament this little collection of letters. Um, somebody's ancient emails sent out um, that we have maintained, reserved, and have been set aside as Holy Scripture for us. But they were for Paul letters that he wrote. In the last of these, as I said, he writes from prison knowing that his execution is looming. And the one of the letters that he wrote that we've been looking at for a couple weeks, and we have several weeks to go through it still, is the letter to the Ephesians. This, this little group of Christians living in the city of Ephesus in what is today modern-day Turkey, um, in Asia Minor, a very important city, uh, remains still a city of great archaeological relics and, and, and uh, structures that you can see to this day. But Paul has been moved on, he's in Rome, and he's writing back letters to this little church. As I said, Paul knows his execution is looming, that he is not going to get out of this, and so he writes with a sense of urgency. He's a preacher, of course, so as soon as he mentions the word God, which is in like the second verse or second sentence of his, his opening letter, he breaks off into this long sort of theological treatise on God and what God has done for the Christians, especially what he has done for the Ephesian Christians, these Gentiles, that he has made them part of Israel. And so the Jew and Gentile are no longer separate, but one in Jesus Christ. Isn't this a fantastic thing that God has done? And he goes on and on and on about it, as preachers are known to do. And he gets to a point where it's almost as if he says, Oh no, what have I done? I've really become very complex and deep. And so he does what preachers do next. We pray. <laughs> and so he breaks into this prayer. And his prayer is that you could get your minds around all the things that I've said up to this point. This is what he says. He actually uses physical dimensions that you would know and understand and comprehend together with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God. Okay, so look how big it is. If you could just get your head around this, and I know you can't, but this is what I want you to happen. But then he pivots. Having talked about what God has done, having prayed that people would understand this, he pivots to say, okay, so now what? What do you do? What do all y'all do as Christians? How do you live this out? And beginning in chapter 4 and going through the rest of his letter, four, chapters 4, 5, and 6, he writes all about how we ought to live in light of everything he said up to that point. Everything that remains in the letter from chapters 4, 5, and 6 is predicated on what he has said in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Look at the very first verse. Will you, you open your bulletin, and, and we're going to kind of we're going to kind of work through this. Be a little bit of a you know uh, thinking going on here today. Um, we're going to so keep it open once you find the, this lesson. Ephesians chapter four, verse one. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, everything that he says from here on out is predicated on this. I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, he doesn't literally mean to walk, of course, right? This is a metaphor. To live. I urge you to live. To conduct yourself. To behave in such a way that you're worthy of the calling with which you were called. He does the same thing elsewhere. Listen to what he says in, in Romans. You, don't, you can't look there, but this, listen to this. I, command, uh, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant um, of the church, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints. You hear this? 
Welcome her in a way that's worthy of the saints. In Philippians, uh, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, for you know how like a father with children we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Over and over again, this is what Paul says, you know, do such a thing in a manner worthy of your calling. Conduct yourselves. Live like this. If you are a baptized Christian, you have a vocation. If you're a baptized Christian, you have a vocation. Now, God calls some baptized Christians to other vocations. The priesthood, to the diaconate, and whatever else. To profess, uh, professor, you know, ministry as a professor. Whatever else he calls people. But he calls all of us to a vocation. By being baptized, we are part of the calling. That we have a vocation, and so we are to live in a way that's worthy of that vocation. But notice what Paul says. He doesn't just say, you know, I command you. He could probably say that. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, um, uh, you know, I think you ought to. You should. I urge you. Parakalo in Greek. I am begging you. I'm exhorting you. Help me out with synonyms. I'm, I am trying to get you to understand how important this is. That you live in a way that's worthy of your calling. And he spells this out with some degree of specificity as he moves on from this part. All throughout the rest of this chapter, is going to, through the rest of the letter rather, Paul is going to be going after us time and time again saying, remember this, remember this, remember this. You know, in chapter 5, you know, husbands and wives and children. I mean, it gets, it gets down into the nitty gritty. This is how we ought to live. But the very first thing, and all the things that he wants to remind us of, the very first thing is that we ought to work for unity. We ought to work for unity in the church. Now, we could take this to a, a national level or an international level, you know, an ecumenical way. But Paul's writing to a local community, a local church, a parish. And so it works here, right? It's unity in the church, in the locality. Look at the second verse, will you? With all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Eager, diligent, passionate about being eager is actually the way it should be translated. It's, it's a, a passive participle. Being eager to, to hold on to the unity, to work for this unity that exists, to keep it. And how do you do that? How do you work for unity? With humility and gentleness, with patience and long-suffering. I was thinking about this, and I was wondering if I was allowed to say the word crap in the pulpit, which I guess I actually just did. Um, and I probably not. I probably not allowed to say putting up with one another's stuff because we all have a lot of stuff. And if you don't think you have a lot of stuff, you've got more than your fair share. Um, we all put have to put up with one another. Now, some of us are a little easier to get along with than others, and some are a little bit more difficult to get along with than others. But we've all got stuff to put up with. I know you're going to find this hard to believe. It's true. I'm going to tell you. But there are times where I'm not the easiest person to get along with. I know. It's hard to believe. But you'd have to catch that one microsecond of my life. And the, 
um, where I can get a little, um, you know, a little snarky. I can have a penchant for sort of self-protection. I can, um, you know, I can be uh, a little difficult. <laughs> uh, I know, it's hard to believe, but it happens on, on times. I can be petulant and needy. And my people who put up with me. Most of them are looking at me right now. <laughs> this is what we do. We know we are difficult sometimes. All of us. If we're going to work for unity, it means we're going to have to work together to love one another even when we're difficult and cultivate that kind of unity. And we have to start right here where we are. The word community means with unity. Com, the Latin prefix with, and, and unus, communus. We are one, working as one to be together unified. The first thing that we ought to do if we're going to live in a way that's worthy of our calling, if we're going to live up to our vocation, is that we're going to work for unity. And if we do the opposite, we are not living in a way that is conducive with our calling. We are not honoring our calling if we're divisive. Second thing Paul says is that we have to use the gifts God has given us. Look at verse 11, will you? He, that is the Lord, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, building up for the building up of the body of Christ. Four offices named here. Um, I don't think five. I think four. Um, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and I think this last one is hyphenated. Pastor, teacher, shepherd, teacher. Um, he gave these four offices, and somebody back here is thinking to themselves, well, I'm off the hook. I'm none of those. I am not an apostle or a prophet, evangelist or a pastor teacher. I'm, I, I'm good. No. No. Why did the Lord give the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastor teachers? He gave them so that he could equip the saints. Y'all are the saints. It's you. He equips the holy ones, the people of God, to do what? To do the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is upon the people of God. All the people of God. Not upon the one who wears backward shirts and, you know, wears a, a robe into the pulpit. It's the work of the ministry is all of our work. The priest is one of the people, but it is the people, the work of the people. Do you know that the word liturgy comes from two ancient Greek words that means the work of the people. The liturgy, that even the worship is a part of the work of the people. And what is the ministry? The building up. Oikadamein in, in Greek. It is the building a house. Like, it's, it's constructing the body of Christ in the world. If we are going to live in a way that honors our vocation, if we are going to uh, live up to, do something the, the worthy of the calling with which we are called. We're going to work for unity, and we're going to work as, as ministers for the gospel. The third, Paul says, we're going to grow up. We're going to mature. Have you ever been around like somebody else's toddler, and that toddler like throws his or herself onto the ground and begins to throw a tantrum, and you look at it, and it's kind of cute it's kind of it's amusing a little bit if you're the parent of said toddler amusement has long since sailed you, you know that is no longer amusing to you but it will be rest assured just give us some time when you see an adult acting like that 
It's not amusing at all, is it? Time to grow up. And that's what Paul says, verse 13, look at this. Until we all attain the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Forgive Paul for his um, lack of inclusive language. <laughs> in, in all fairness, he wrote it in Greek, so he didn't write that anywhere. He went andratelion. Um, but mature adulthood. A mature person. That we should all grow up into this mature person. Look, Compare that with verse 14. So that we may no longer be children. Some translations have this infants tossed to and fro. We are adults. We are, we are grown up. Now, now here's the thing. The, the word translated mature is sometimes translated perfect. It's goal. It's the, it's the ideal that we ought to be images of Christ in the world. So you remember those little bracelets that people used to wear, the WWJD? Um, yeah, what would Jesus do bracelets? Um, what would Jesus do? This is the ultimate question for us. And how do we live that way in this world? That we ought to be aiming at that. And you know what? When we miss it, we don't simply excuse ourselves and say, oh, well, you know, it's the way I am, you know, I've... Had bad parenting, or you know, we can always blame our parents. Or you know, um, you know, this is sort of my temperament. And this is, no, it's inexcusable. It happens. We ought to admit it. We ought to confess it and turn from it. That our model, our image, ought to be Christ. That this is the way we are to live in the world, grown up into a mature adult who lives like Christ in the world. That we ought to advance. And any time we're not advancing, not excuse ourselves for it. But live in a way that we, that we are, are living up to that mature adult Christian. I read a story um, this week about this um, young girl. Her name was um, Gabrielle Garcar. And Gabrielle lived with her grandmother or lived with her grandmother. And um, they're not people of means. They're, they struggle to, uh, to kind of get by. And they have a whole lot of money. And, um, and so she says to her grandmother one, one day a couple months ago, um, you know, I'd like to have an iPad. Can you buy me an iPad? And her grandma was like, no, we do not have money for an iPad. And she said, well, you know, Grandma, I think this would really help me at schoolwork, um, as children know what to do. And, and uh, she said, I understand, but we just don't have money for it. And, and Gabrielle, to her credit, said, well, I'm going to go out and start a, a lemonade stand. I'm going to make my own money. And so she does. She goes out into the front yard and sets up a table, and Grandma makes her some lemonade, and she's uh, putting a sign out, and she's selling lemonade. And a, a deputy sheriff um, stops by. Um, his name was Zach Rapos. And he, Zach gets out and he, he walks over to the Gabrielle and he buys a, a, a cup of her lemonade for 50 cents and um, asks her, you know, why are you doing this? And she says, oh, I want to buy an iPad. He said, oh, really? Well, why do you want an iPad? She said, well, because I want to play games with it, of course, but I think it will help me with school as well. He said, oh, and he looks over in her till, and she has a buck and a half, you know, in the till. He does the math quickly in his head. Um, she's going to have to sell 600 cups of lemonade, and um, not sure how that's going to go. He thanks her for uh, the, the lemonade and gets in his car and drives off, and the thought occurs to him, this girl's not going to raise enough money. So he goes home to check an old iPad that he had at home, and it wasn't working, and, and so he, he decides, you know what, I'm just going to buy her one. So he goes to the Apple store, buys the iPad for her, and heads back to her house. And he gets out of the car, and by now, Grandmother sees a, a second police car stopping by, and she's a bit worried. So she kind of heads out of the house and walks out to see what's going on with the, the second cop showing up. It's, she didn't expect to see the same cop walking around with a, a bright pink bag in his hand and 
brand new iPad inside of it. He takes it to this little girl and he gives it to her. And grandma was sharp enough to pull out an a, a iPhone and, and snap a picture of her or whatever it was. And she snapped a picture and she, that afternoon, put it out on a, a, some sort of social media site saying, you know, what a sweet gesture this cop did. And, and all of a sudden, her friends started sharing it and other friends started sharing it. Within a few days, two million people had seen this picture of this officer delivering you know, this gift to this young child. I couldn't think, help but to think how he honored his uniform, how he honored this calling that he had by being generous and kind and thoughtful, and how St. Paul would have said probably, you know what, that's a good way to honor the, the calling. And that we as Christians ought to live like that. We ought to live in such a way that we honor the calling by our actions in the world. Working for unity. Using our gifts. Being mature. This is how we begin to do it. He's got a lot more to say. We'll have to wait for the next time. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.